Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burden contains depictions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Michael Letterman badly abused his first two wives, Gay and Billy. He beat them, choked them, and held guns to their heads. Gay got away, but Billy didn't make it out alive. After Billy died, the daughter that Michael and Billy had together continued to live with Michael. Whitney was only a year and a half old when her mom was shot. Michael was a single dad now, but when Whitney was in elementary school, he married for a third time to a young woman named Jenna. This is Jenna's story about her 15-year marriage to Michael Letterman, the man she calls a monster. We'll hear how she eventually got away from him and the lingering questions she has about the death of his second wife. Jenna grew up in East Texas, about 20 minutes from Texarkana. At 19, she was in college and had a boyfriend. On the day Michael Letterman walked into the drugstore where Jenna worked, she and her boyfriend were on the rocks. He had asked me out during that time. And it's the way he asked me out, you know, it was like, yeah, go. And uh, I ended up, I drove to Texarkana to meet him. Because he was older, you know, and I thought, yeah, just the fun of it, you know, going, we went to a movie or whatever. That's when I learned about Whitney and him being a single dad. And um, it just went from there. I mean, we didn't date for six months before I married him. Jenna liked Michael. He seemed to treat her well while they were dating. She was ready to commit. Her mom, however, did not approve. She almost didn't come to the wedding. She didn't like the fact that he was 13 years older than me. I did not tell them at the beginning that he had a daughter, but I just let him, you know, roses all the time and the going out to dinner, fancy restaurants and stuff like that. (laughs) I mean, he was good. He was good. Jenna didn't live with Michael before marrying him. and her family, that was not appropriate. So she hadn't seen Michael's temper and didn't know what day-to-day living would truly be like. It was three months into their marriage that things started to change. 
it was like every day was a new day and getting to the next because at three months in, I was like, this man is, whew, because I'd never seen a temper. I'd never seen any kind of anything. And it's like they always say, you always need a good fight to know how that person fights before you really have that, in that relationship. Because there's always a different side to someone. I had quit working at Vision for Less and I was going to just clean houses for a short period of time till I could find something to do, just to have something to do. And um, a girl that I had worked with at Vision for Less, she had come out to visit me and she, I was telling her and she, I, she knew I didn't know Texarkana. I know nothing about Texarkana at this point. So she was like, yeah, this is where, if it's over there on New Boston Road, you know, you want to go over there and let's look and see where this is at before you go by yourself because there's some areas over there that's not good. And I was like, well, sure. I mean, you know, he never offered to do it. <laughs> and um, I said, yeah, that'll be fine. This is probably, it was probably 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't that late, but it was, we were just going there and coming back so we could kind of lay eyes on him where I was supposed to go that next morning. And, um... He was up when we left. We go, we find the house, perfect, not a bad neighborhood at all. She has to stop and get gas, she didn't even fill up, and we come back. I'm talking maybe total 45 minutes we were gone. Well, we got back and he was in the bed. He went to bed, no big deal. You know, he, I was shocked, I was like, it's kinda early for him to go to bed, but anyway, we sit in there and chit-chatted for a while on the couch before she decided she was gonna leave. Well, I decided I wasn't tired, so I was going to sit down at the coffee table and do write out checks for the bills. And he gets up, and he comes in there where the thermostat is on the wall and uh, tried to turn it down. And he looks over there at me, and he says, what the hell are you doing? And I said, I'm writing out checks to pay these bills um, so we can get them out on time. And uh, he said something, and I said, What? And I still don't know what that remark was, but it went from that to him turning and looking at me, calling me a cunt, calling me a fucking whore. You're nothing but a piece of shit. I mean, I'm talking, if it could be said, it was said. And I jump up in my head. I'm thinking, is he asleep? You know, sleepwalking, mm -hmm. sleep talking? Because he was in here asleep, and all of a sudden he comes in here talking to me this way. And I've been here for a while now. So he had to have heard us come in. The, the bedroom was right there butted up against the, the living room. And um, I was like, what are you talking about? I said, I literally went to see where this house was. And how are you accusing me of being something like that? I never even heard the word cunt. I'm telling you, when I was I married him, I was naive. I was very gullible and, and didn't know a lot of things. And until uh, I later found out what that was. And I was like, oh. You know, he was calling me everything that he could that made me a piece of trash. And um, he, there was a glass sitting on a speaker, and he slammed that glass. And when he slammed that glass, it shot across the living room, hit the coffee table, glass shattered, went into my leg, uh, cut my leg open. And I'm just panicking, freaking out at this point. Because I'm like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? And I, I instantly start picking up the glass and I'm like, calm down. I'm trying to talk him down, you know. And he disappears. Like he goes into the bedroom. And I'm steadily cleaning that stuff up, wiping my leg. And I start crying. Um, and then he calls me in there. He's already back in the bed. And, I'm, and he wants me to come to bed. He says, it's time to go to bed. And I was like, I'm, I'm not nowhere ready to go to bed, especially with you right this minute. 
And I'm still trying to figure out where this came from, what happened. And um, he was notorious. This was one of those times he wanted to be to please just come there and, and talk to him, to sit down there. And he puts his arms around me and he's just holding me and he just starts crying. And he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I mean, like he is apologizing over there and I'm like, look, I don't know what that's about. I'm not used to this kind of life. I have never in my life and I didn't deserve that. You know, I start justifying myself. You know, why would you talk to me like that? And, you know, promising me I, he, that will never happen again. I mean, it was just all the things that they say. And, um, okay, I, I lay over there, kind of like very withdrawn, don't want to be touched, you know, or anything like that. We go to sleep, finally fall asleep. I did, scared to, but I went to sleep. And I wake up the next morning still messed up from crying so bad and everything. And he's like, nothing ever happened, nothing was wrong. So we go on about our life. I'm Karen Trigo Stewart. From Power of Pod Productions, this is episode six of Burden. He was a monster. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Jenna tried to move on with her life hoping that an incident like the one that happened three months into their marriage wouldn't happen again. But unfortunately, about three months later, she was again disappointed. And it was at 5 o'clock in the morning. And that's the time that I, um, I when he had a phone call, he was wanting to go hunting. And um, he'd gone to the bathroom, and he was talking on the phone while he was in the bathroom. And he was talking to Bo. And he was trying to get Bo to go with him and Bo's like no I already promised Toby that I'd spend the day with her and blah 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 I heard Michael calling him pussy whooped and uh, I was like hey I said you're supposed to be going to church anyway this morning I said let him be he never said anything you know he's finished his conversation with Bo he comes and I'm laying there just chilled I mean like you know thinking well Bo's just he's wanting to spend time with his wife he comes in there and he lays down and he went when I'm on the phone don't you ever talk to me and disrespect me like that again. And I said, disrespect? I mean, all I was saying was you said you would go to church with me, and he's wanting to spend the day with his wife. And before I could even finish the sentence, he was on top of me with a pillow, just pounding me with that pillow, going crazy, 
cussing and carrying on. And when I finally got him off of me, and I go, and I was like, I'm, I'm done. This is this two times now that I've seen you act crazy. And, like, I go in there, and I'm throwing clothes in a suitcase. You know, I'm just grabbing whatever I can. I'm not going to live like this. I've never seen violence. Seen it, and you, this is crazy. And he comes in there. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm packing my stuff. I'm leaving. He kicked that suitcase over, and he said, you're not going a damn place. And I said, oh, yeah, I will. Maybe not right now, but I'm going. And there again, I mean, he would he carried on at me for a while and, and trying to make me feel like I did something wrong, you know, by speaking out of term, I guess. And um, in my head, I done geared up that uh, this is not normal. And this is when I was still normal, but I knew what normal was. And I said, uh, uh, I'm going to have to get out of this. Somehow, some way, I'm going to have to leave because this man is not who I thought he was. Within the same time frame, he quit his job. He said he got laid off. He was going to deer camp two weeks. And that's when Jenna found out she was pregnant. She had very little money. She continued to clean houses, but then her car broke down. She said that she just had too much pride to ask her parents for help. She would just keep going. I cried when I found out I was pregnant, because I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, of course, I go and I tell my mom and them first, and I'm crying, but they're not understanding why I'm crying. And and she's like happy, you know, that I'm going to have a little baby. This is their first grandbaby. And uh, um, she's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'm like, he just lost his job. And I mean, I was really, really not okay. Jenna and Michael's daughter, Katie Lynn, was born. And Michael continued to grow more and more controlling. He wouldn't stop Jenna from leaving the house, but he'd make life terrible for her when she got home. I could go do something, and then i come home into a living hell because he was just in a rage for no apparent reason. I mean, it was, I guess, because I had gone or I wasn't home when I needed to. I didn't cook supper when I needed to. Um, supper wasn't right. You know, I brought home red lobster, and the steak would be not to his perfection of the way it needed to be cooked. And, I mean, I've taken many trips. I'd go back to town, to take it back up there, only to because it wasn't right, you know? I mean, there, there's so many things I look back now and I think, my God, the things that he controlled me over, it's just, it was stupid things. Food, that was our biggest fights was over food. And I, when I say fights, I mean all out destroying a kitchen. Early on in their marriage, Jenna started working for Michael, helping him manage a construction business. He'd be at deer camp, and I'd be on the job site taking care of whatever. I remember when they was build, building Bringle Lake over here, and he had a track hoe that caught on fire. They was going to deer camp. Guess who had to be the one to take care of it? I was, I was young, didn't even know what I was doing. I, mean, I had a learning experience there, but it's just the idea that he had somebody doing his work, and he'd go and do his thing. So Jenna had baby Katie and would take her along to job sites, but she wanted to do something else. She wanted to get a job that felt like her own. I wanted to work, and I really at that time thought that's where I could get up on my feet. Not that I did not have parents that would support me, because they would have. If they had known, and I have told, if I had told them what I was living in, they would have 100%. My daddy was sick. I did not want an altercation between him and my father, mm -hmm. because I know my father would have probably done him in. Mm -hmm. um, so I protected them. That was my guard, was to protect. Michael would use the girls, both Katie and Whitney, 
to control Jenna when she tried to leave. And since Whitney was Michael and Billy's daughter, Michael would make Jenna return Whitney to him. I had a letter until the house burned where Whitney had wrote me to please, you know, not to leave her. And uh, my hands were tied because I didn't have control of that. And I'd go back. I couldn't leave her. Jenna kept trying to leave Michael, but it wasn't easy. She felt intimidated, and she was afraid that speaking up would only make things worse. She had to make sure that she could have her daughter. I'd left like three different times, and I was gone. I hid out in Center, Texas, with my, my grandparents lived down there. I remember going to the sheriff's department because he would always use her over my head. Um, there was one time he walked straight into my mom and dad's house when we had, I'd left him and had been fighting and snatched her up. And, of course, my mama begged and pleaded with him all the while I'm trying to call the sheriff's department in Cass County, you know, in Queen City. And they tell me that unless I have a temporary restraining order, I couldn't do anything. So, of course, you know, he took her. And, uh, of course, you know, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning rolls around, I'm not going to leave my baby. So, you know, he would do that sweet talking, you know, we'll just come home and we'll talk about it. But he knew what he was doing. He knew because he had her. And uh, then there was another time that we, I had left and uh, I had been gone for the weekend. I'd left him because he had whooped her. Mama Bear come out because, not saying that she didn't need a whooping or anything like that, but he was always quick to discipline when he was in his mood. And uh, she was probably three years old at that time. And she was outside, been jumping on the trampoline when she couldn't open the door. And she started screaming bloody murder, you know, three-year-old, throwing her little fit, wanting in. And uh, he takes off running in a scared, you know, like, like he was scared that she was hurt or something. And he goes out the back door and sees that she just wants inside the house. And he wore her butt out. And, of course, I reacted, you know, because that was my baby. You can do whatever you want to me. You can yell at me, cuss me, whatever. But don't you take your anger, anger out on her. And I remember loading her up and we left. He was going to deer camp. It's always deer camp. And I told Whitney, I said, if you're going with me, you need to get your stuff together. And um, we were going to leave. Um, it was gone, I think it was on Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday I went to church. And uh, he decides he's going to go to church. So he shows up at church, sits right next to me. And uh, wants to hold her when we was going out. Can he just hold her for a little bit? And guess what? He's holding her all right. And then here he goes. Mm -hmm. Well, we had already been planning a trip to Shreveport with my family and stuff. And his way of you know, saying, well, I'm going to take her with me and then we'll go to Shreveport. And that was my only way of knowing that I'm going to have my daughter back in my hands without just acting a fool, you know. And it really caused them a big disaster. And why I would never just call law during those times, I don't know. I could not tell you. I don't know if it's just because I thought I could handle it myself. Don't push his buttons and he'll give me what I need, you know, give me my kid back. And um, he ended up coming to Queen City. We all went to Shreveport, he went. He never did stuff like that. It was always just during those times that he would try to, I tried to weasel his way back in. I mean, you know, it, it, he would just sweet talk or he would be something and I would just fall. I would just give in every time. But each time it got easier and easier and easier. Jenna said that Michael had a lot of guns. He never threatened to kill her. But on her daughter's sixth birthday, he made her wonder. 
He never pulled a gun on me. The only thing that he ever said that would remotely that sent this sparked something in me that kind of put a fear there was we were at, at uh, Nara's Lake up there. It's on her birthday. It was supposed to be her birthday. And uh, he didn't want to come home. Well, we have a party that's planned for our kids, so he wasn't ready to leave yet. Well, I didn't have my own vehicle. I mean, so we have to leave, you know? I've got to go. And um, he got so mad at me, because I kept telling him, come on, because this is like at 11 o'clock and our party's like at one. You know, I still had to pick up a cake. And um, he went ballistic. Next thing I know, I had stood up, and I, when I stood up, I was next to the door trying to figure out what I was going to do because I have to get home. And all these people are going to be at Chuck E. Cheese, and the baby's not going to be there, you know, the kid. And um, he jumped up before I could even think. He had me backed up in the corner of that camper and was in my face, spit coming out, telling and just cussing me, telling me everything that he needed to say, but in that phrase that he was saying when he was cussing and carrying on was, I'm either, we're gonna either end up divorced or I'm bearing you one. And that's the first time that I'd ever, cause I was like, who says that? I mean, it was one hellacious ride home. Because it, it would, he, he driving erratic, I mean, he just, it, all the anger was there and having to come down off out of Narrows. I don't know if you've ever been up in there, but Narrows Lake, um, yeah, very windy road, very scary. And um, got to the party. Of course, Jenna puts on her happy face, you know, and does what she has to do. I managed to be able to get a hold to my mother-in-law at the time and have her to go pick up the cake for me to get it there because all I could think about is this is her day. It's already been ruined. Mm -hmm. We're gonna make the best of what we can. And um, we go on and have the party, and of course that was just another day that ended and went on about our life. That was the only time that he had ever had something that he said that would even give me that, like, he might would do me in, in one of his rages. Here's my co-host, Stephanie Harris. Jenna said that Michael also liked to antagonize her and the kids by pinching and poking them. But if they did that back to him when he was in one of his moods, it did not end well for them. I mean, like he would squeeze your hand or something like that, and that's all his way of joking and stuff like that. And I remember one, one time that he had done that. And, you know, you can only take so much of that before it's finally like it's enough or whatever. But he, I kept telling him, stop, it was hurting me what he was doing. And uh, he kept on, so I reached down and I pinched right here, which you know that hurts, you know, but I reached down and I pinched right there. And oh my God, he literally yanked me up off that couch, had me by the head of the hair on the floor. And uh, he had my hair wadded up in his hand on the floor like this, in my face. I'm just sweat beaming down. I mean, it, because I had done that to him. I could sit here all day it would take all day to relive that life. I mean, every day is a new day that I think about something that he, you know, I went through that he had done to me.
sexual things. I mean, there there's just so much. I wouldn't. I don't call it rape because if I said no, I meant no. But let me tell you, the hell that I'd live in, the hell that I'd put up with if I didn't. Jenna said she didn't have bruises on her face like so many victims of domestic violence. But there was one time she had to cover up a mark on her neck. The incident started over something small, a toy in her daughter's Happy Meal. The doll had tan-colored skin and wore a little Minnie Mouse outfit. When his daughter showed Michael, he looked at her, then looked over at Jenna, and asked why Jenna would allow their daughter to play with a dark-skinned doll. Of course, that wasn't the word he used. We're not going to use the word, but he called it an N-word doll. He then snatched it from his young daughter's hands and threw it in the trash. As his daughter tried to get the toy out of the trash can, Michael had Jenna pinned up against a wall in the laundry room. He was screaming and cussing that they weren't that kind of family, and as he was poking his finger in her face, he damaged the skin under her eye. He was in my face with his finger. Do you understand me? Do you fucking understand me? Excuse me. I don't talk like that. But uh, uh, when he did, I moved with a sudden move, like when I did, and then when I did, it just it's just the way it happened. Well, it gashed. It was just the craziest thing, the way it, it just literally, I guess because it's just a sensitive area. You look like, you look like somebody would have punched me in the face. Of course, he instantly realized when he's seen it, and I seen it in his face. It was like, oh, shit. And then he was like, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to do that. And then he goes out and he starts trying to justify, you know, the reason why he did it. But then he was apologizing at the same time why, you know, about the whole incident with the eye. I was still startled over the whole incident of him thinking that it was a black doll and taking it out of, you know, a little three, four-year-old girl's hand and taking it in there and slamming it in the trash. I specifically asked him one time when we were separated and, and we were trying to talk about it and I asked him, you know, what causes you to be this way to me? I try to be the best person that I can be. I try to do what I'm supposed to do as a wife. I, I, I don't know what else to do. You're just miserable and you're unhappy and with you doing all these things, do you not realize it? For example, Jen had been in a movie with coworkers one day. And um, I called him. He was in a fine mood. He was good. My mom and them had just come back into town. Um, but I called him and told him, hey, I'm on my way home. Do you want me to get you something to eat? And he said, yeah, I want a burger from Whataburger. By the time I get there, now I remind you, just straight to Whataburger and then coming in the house, he's sound asleep on the couch. So I go over there and I'm leaning over him and I said, hey, Michael, I've got your hamburger. And uh, he's startled and he looks up at me. And he sits there for a minute, I said, it's ready. I said, you want me to warm it just a little bit? And he's like, yeah. And so I go in there and I put it in the microwave. How else are you going to warm a hamburger that's mustard, cheese, and ketchup only? Put it in the microwave, zapped it for just a second, and I turned around, and that's when he looked at me and he said, did you just put that in the fucking microwave? I said, well, yeah, how else was I going to warm it up? It was not cold. I just got it here, but I was trying to get it hot for you. I said, what do you want to drink? And uh, he said, oh, what do you got? What do you have in there? Well, there's Coke, or and I bought the off-brand something. Anyway, well, I grabbed what I thought he might would like, and I take it in there, and I set it down. Well, that was the wrong thing he wanted. And that's when he said, I don't want effing Coke. And, I mean, he just goes off. I said, that's why I asked you what you wanted. So do you want Dr. Pepper? I mean, like, I, then I'm just, like, frazzled, and I'm like, my God, everything I'm doing is wrong. I turned around, 
and he mouthed something. I mean, he I don't know if it's because he just woke up, but I was like, there's no way he was in that deep of a sleep in 15-minute time, you know, from the time I just talked to you and you was not asleep. And um, anyway, I t that's when I turned around because I started getting nervous. It's that nervous energy, and I start bagging up the trash or whatever else I can find. And I was like, golly, if I would have known that he was going to be in this kind of mood, I would have just stayed in town and went and met Mom and Dad because they're in town. Before I ever even finished that sentence, the plate, bam, shattered the coffee pot, hit the wall, the glass shattered. And um, before I could even turn around, he had me cornered. And he had them arms up just like this. And this this was the first time I ever actually didn't, like, just ever, everything shut down in me and terrify me because I remember looking at him and telling him, I don't have to put up with this anymore because I could stand on my own two feet. I had my money. I mean, you know, I didn't need anything. I really thought that it was going to be bad that day because I didn't let him put the fear in me at that time. It was the first time I ever remember feeling like I had a ground to stand on. And I said, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And I went under his arm. And I, it was one of those times, like, again, I, I didn't look back. Like I seen my purse, grabbed the purse, and I just kept going, and I could just feel him behind me. And I got to the porch, because I, I always thought if I could just get outside, if I had to scream for help or whatever, I got to the porch, and he was coming. I don't know if he fell. I don't remember what stopped, something stalled him. And I was able to get in the car and hauled butt. And I called my mom and them, I said, I'm leaving, I'm done. And I think that at that time, my mom and dad was like, okay, there's more to this than what we know. They hid for two weeks after that blow up. I remember going a week one time with my whole neck and shoulders and stuff hurting so bad and where he had me up against the wall, you know, picked up mm -hmm. because he was in my face and then it was an altercation and it happened. And uh, the soreness and the aching that I, I would have from incidences like that. He just, it, it, was, it was his way of controlling because if I pushed any further, he probably would have if I fought back. And the, the few times that I would stand up to him, it didn't matter how much I stood up to him, he was always going to have that last word. He was always the one that was going to have me down. She also remembers a time when she was about to leave the house to meet a friend for lunch. She was laying on the couch and Michael walked in. So I instantly got up, you know, and I went to doing what I was going to do before I was leaving to go to meet her. And uh, he came in there while I was dead. He said, well, sit down here for a minute. And so I sit down because I thought he was going to talk to me about something. It ended up went going from that to him, like he pushed me over, like, like he got on top of me, like he was wrestling with me. And I was like, get up, get off of me. And he kept on. Well, the couch was an old couch that had been given to us. It had the wood grain on the arm. And he had my arms tied back, both of them tied back like this, so I couldn't move. Like, I, he had me tight. And he's laughing. Like, he's, like, thinking it's funny. And I'm like, get up off of me, please, because you're hurting my arms. It's not funny. And uh, he kept on. And I was like, I said, get up. Well, he, it's like he got tighter and pushed my arms way down into the couch. You know, like, I literally was in a, I could not get up. I ended up bowing up my legs and put, kicking. When I did, I kicked up. And I might have kicked him somewhere. I don't know. All I know is that was the only thing I had let loose. Mm -hmm. He laughed. And then all of a sudden, I don't know how he did it without breaking my arms. But he, I went from this couch to the other couch. Because it pissed him off so bad. Jenna said when he was like that, his face just changed. Like he was a different person. 
had turned both pale and red. It is a anger that I, I have, I mean, I've never witnessed. Even when you see people get in altercations, I've never seen that kind of anger. She still went to that lunch with her friend. Acted like nothing happened, but she, we were sitting there and I had picked up, I think it was a chicken salad sandwich that I was eating with at Chick-fil-A. And I was telling her what he had done uh, about, you know, holding me down and was being ugly and got mad at me. And she said, is that how you got the bruises on your arms? And that was the first time ever that it had been called to someone's attention. Besides the time that I was at the school, and there was no physical. She just knew what I had gone through before I'd left the house. Um, and I looked down, and my arms were black and blue from where he had held them so tight and held them down. And I guess from the picking me up, I still honestly do not know how he did it without breaking my arms the way he threw me across the room. I landed on the other couch. Jenna said she tried to make it work. She and Michael attempted counseling. She wanted to understand what made him this way. I'd come home from church, fix breakfast for everyone, and I'm, I'm telling you, I'd, I, from the time I'd leave church, my stomach would be in knots because I knew I was coming home. I, I didn't know what kind of mood he would be in. or It always seemed like Sundays was the worst. I can't tell you a Sunday that there was not some kind of horrible screaming fight or a disaster in the kitchen because the eggs was cooked too well, like they wasn't runny or, you know, there was something that was cold or the milk wasn't cold enough. I mean, it, it was always something. You would think that most fights would be because, you know, I'm running the bars or I'm doing this or doing that, and I, I was not that person. I, I was at home. I took care of my kids. The only other place I'd go would be to my mom and dad's. Till later on in life, and then I'd start, I finally, after the first time of me standing my ground and saying, you know what, you might be this person, but I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go. I'm going to go see my brother. I mean, I started going and doing those kind of things. Then it wasn't until he started, he would leave and stay gone. I mean, every time we would come home from the school or work later on, this was, you know, because I know the last 10 years of our marriage, he was gone every night. Like, he'd leave and he'd be gone. And he'd say he was going riding around or whatever. He smoked, he smoked weed, and that's, I know that's what he was doing most of those times. When I say he'd leave, at 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, he wouldn't come home until 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. One day after church, Jenna got on to Michael for being rude to a family member. And from the time that door shut, so, and it's a 15-minute drive back towards Genoa, I listened to a cussing, I mean, carrying on. And from that to getting up on the loop, I finally said, enough, okay, I get it. You didn't want to talk to anybody, just stop, enough's enough. He let, and it was raining, the fine mist, and he reached up, if it wasn't the visor he was grabbing, he dear Will, I mean, he was just, everything that he could do to keep from grabbing me is what he was doing. I know that's what it was. He, he was, everything he could rip or try to tear off is what he was doing. Michael's daughter was crying. He told her to shut up. I said, she's scared. And about that time, our car hydroplaned. It hit a slick spot, and it was all he could do to control that vehicle. He, he scared himself. He would even say after when I'd bring that up later on, you know, about the, this time. I mean, can you tell me why you was the way you was this time? And he couldn't remember. He didn't know. But Jenna doesn't believe that. 
No, I believe he remembers. Yeah. I re because there's too many smaller incidences that you, anger, there's no sense in blacking out because you wasn't that mad. That's, that's been his defense, I guess, since he was probably a young child. And that's what he grew up to be. And he always got out of whatever it was he was in, the situations, like my brother said, you know, how was the phrase, you used to come out smelling like roses. So you should still come out smelling like roses because he always ends up okay. Everybody else around him suffers, mm -hmm. but he ends up being still okay. And that's what I don't understand. I mean, like that incident there. And, and when he finally got it to a stop, you could see the fear in his face. He really thought it was done. I, by the grace of God is the reason why we didn't end up flipped and, mm -hmm. and, and in a ditch. And that was on the loop up there. And uh, I, we got to the house after he, he done calmed down, he pulled it down a notch because he was scared then. We got to the house, he got out before us. Jenna then looked at her daughter. She knew once again that she needed to get out. And I said, I want you to go get your stuff together. Don't say a word, you stay back there till I tell you that we're gonna leave because I'm not staying here today. We're not gonna put up with this. And uh, I think we ended up leaving, but I didn't, I didn't stay gone. You know, they say a woman, it takes seven times to mm -hmm. leave. Before, and I believe that because there's, I can, on both hands, how many times it took for me to finally be done. That's how he was. I mean, he can be good. That's the thing. He, he can be good for uh, so long. But I, my mom said, she said, I can mark three to six months every time. It would be, we'd have something that would happen or have a big falling out. Mm -hmm. She said, it's, when she would look back, she said, I can remember, you know, every time it would be, it'd be fine, and then all of a sudden it would be another incident. And she don't know half of them. I mean, it would just be to that point that I'd finally leave. About two years before she finally left for good, she explained to her daughter again that Michael wanted to try counseling, and she had to give him the benefit of the doubt. It was the right thing to do. But something would inevitably happen to make her feel like there was just no hope. One morning she was making breakfast, and Michael was in one of his moods. He got mad because Jenna hadn't bought bacon. I remember standing in that kitchen when he went to the bedroom. Everything on my right side completely went numb. And I was standing there looking at the stove because he was mad at me because I didn't have bacon. And you want to know why the hell I didn't have bacon? And I said, well, you know, because I just made your truck payment and I didn't have enough money to buy the bacon. I have everything else. Can you not eat sausage? I mean, you know, I'm just like in that mood now. I've, he was mad. I had to put the biscuits on the pan, ready to put in the oven and everything, and he was mad over that bacon. And he let me know real quick that he wasn't going another deer season without money in the bank. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, of the things I pawned, to take care of the family. I mean, you know, I did what I could to take care of everything that I owned that had value is gone. It was pawned because I would have to have, you know, money to go buy groceries or whatever, but all the while he's in deer camp. Mm -hmm. And um, he let me know real quick, he wasn't going another deer season without money to be able to stay in deer camp. And I was like, you know what, I'm not paying your truck payment again while you go to deer camp. You want bacon, go buy the bacon. And I looked at that stove all standing there and I thought, I have got to live. I have got to take care of myself to raise this kid. Mm -hmm. I have got to raise her. She's only a teenager and she needs me. 
And I, it just, everything like come across me at that moment. And I thought, you're gonna kill yourself. You're gonna have a stroke right here in this kitchen. Is this really what you wanted? I'm, I'm talking to myself. Like this is all going through my head thinking, when is enough enough? And uh, I reached over there and I turned the stove off and I left everything else sitting there. And uh, I looked at her and I said, get your stuff. I really thought I wasn't gonna get down in steps. He didn't, he stopped at the porch. That's when he, I guess, threw the, the stuff. I didn't even know he threw it. Don't turn around, just keep going. Because if I stopped and, and even said anything else, it probably would have gotten worse. He said, you put yourself up on an effing pedestal. I looked at him, I turned around. You would say that because I've taken care of every one of your family members down here all my life, but I've put myself up on a pedestal. Do you think that's who I am? You know what, it's time for me to put myself up on a pedestal. But I remember asking him if, you know, when you're, when you're mad and you're getting angry like this with us or with me, do you not remember the things that you do? Do you not remember having me cornered and throwing the plate across the room? I mean, and he'll, he would say no. And I, I asked him, and I said, Are you, so do you not think that there's a problem there? Like there's something there, a, a sickness? And I was trying to say it in a nice way so that it wouldn't cause him to get angry again, that maybe you need to get help because you have an anger problem. And then that's when things started kind of, okay, if he, had, if he can do this to me and he doesn't remember these kind of things, I can only imagine what his life was in the past. She said she never witnessed violence between Michael's parents, Red and Liz. But when Jenna would go to his parents' house to get away from Michael, Liz would tell her stories. I did learn about him breaking her nose at one point and putting her in the hospital. And she would tell me about what Donald had done to her. And she would always kind of go back to what she lived through. And which would make someone like me think, well, it could be a lot worse, you know, because I never had my nose broke. I, mean, I didn't go through that. Donald cheated on her all the time. He was very, very, <laughs> he, he run the bars and loved the women for sure. Of course, by Donald, she's referring to Michael's father, Red. There was a couple of times that I had gone down there when we would get into it. And Donald, I do remember him asking me one time, Jenna, has he ever hit you? And I was like, no, he's never just balled up his fist and hit me. I mean, you know, but pushing me around, throwing me and stuff like that, or grabbing by my hair, yes, he did. You deserve better than that. You don't let that boy treat you that way. All the while, who he was, you know, coming from that. So... I don't, and then him and his mom, they just, it was just tit for tat, but I've never seen him really just disrespect her in front of me, mm -hmm. I've been told. i just never seen it. Throughout the marriage, Jenna had lots of questions about Billy, especially the day Ashley called to ask Michael what really happened on the night her mother was shot. Ashley wanted to hear Michael admit to killing her mother. And I don't know what the conversation was because he would never talk on the phone in front of me. And um, he had gone back to the back to talk to her. And the next thing I know, I hear him wailing. He's just crying. And I go in there and like, what is wrong with you? And um, he kept saying over and over, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I was like, you didn't do what? What are you talking about you didn't do? And uh, he told me that I guess Ashley had called him a murderer. And, um, of course, then I was like, for what? I mean, like, why? And he said, because 
I, I guess Topper, maybe he was blaming Topper for filling her head full of stuff at the time. And, and uh, I was like, well, I mean, can you talk to me about it? Will you talk to me and tell me what happened? Then all of a sudden, it, like, no. I mean, we weren't going to talk about it. It was like it was a switch flipped, like he straightened himself up. And I was like, okay, well, it's just a bad subject to talk about, so I'm not going to force it on him if he doesn't want to talk about it. And then years went by, several years, and then all of a sudden, I learned of the case. They were trying to open the case back up. A friend told Jenna she held Michael responsible for the fight that happened the night Billy was shot. She said, I think he's responsible for the fight, which, you know, if there was an altercation, because there was never an altercation between them. He never told me that there was an altercation Mm -hmm. at all, ever. And I was like, well, yeah, any man is held responsible if there's an altercation and something like this happens. You know, it was his duty. It was his job as a husband to protect her, you know. And, and so that's in my head, thinking all that time that, yeah, it was his fault in that aspect. Jenna started to think back to when she and Michael were dating. We were talking in the movie theater. He was telling me a little bit about himself. And um, he had told me that he had a daughter. And uh, Whitney... He had told me that um, his her mom had died of an accidental suicide. Well, at 19, I didn't know. I thought, oh, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, you know, a gun, like a hunting accident or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. And I do remember talking to someone saying that accidental suicide, I've never heard of that. And I was like, well, that's what it was. And uh, he's raising this daughter by himself. And, well... I had talked, there was a, a cop from Queen City that would come in the, the drugstore every so often, and I remember asking him about it. I was like, have you ever heard of an accidental suicide? And he looked at me and said, no. He said, the only way I could see was where if um, they might would call it that, maybe perhaps because it was an accident, like she was doing something with the gun and it went off. You know, but he said, usually it's just an accident or it's a suicide. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. But I still was like, well, I mean, that's how it happened. I mean, you know. It was later on, I guess, down the road. We, he never really come out and told me anything. Like I would ask, but somehow we would get off of the subject. Like, like he never would go into talking about it. But I didn't push because I thought that has to be a horrible thing to have to talk about. You know, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to if it was something that happened to me in my life. You know, and I'm raising the daughter of of her. And um, I remember after we had married, long it's been a while after we had married, someone was telling me, uh, Whitney, actually, um, they had said that she was cleaning a gun and the gun had gone off while she was cleaning the gun. And so then I thought, well, that makes more sense now. You know, that's why the gun went off. That's why they called it an accidental suicide. And um, so that went for years that we had been told that. Jenna talks about a friend in this next part. We omitted her name to protect her identity. It wasn't until I was talking to my friend, and she, you know, I'd ask her, you know, what do you, I mean, and it was after we had already, once I was married to him and things started happening with us and stuff, and we would talk about Billy, because I remember one time begging me, begging me to please leave. Because I had gone to the school um, one day after an altercation between us. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me in the parking lot and said, please just go. 
And I was like, you know, if it gets bad, you know, if it gets worse or whatever, I will, you know. And I would justify every time, but I'd still go on about my business because I got to tend to the kids. And um, we had talked one time about it, and she, she would never, ever say that, no, she would never say Michael ever pulled the trigger, you know. We had talked about what had happened, and I told her that Whitney always thought that she died because she was cleaning the gun, and the gun had gone off. And she was like, mm. I would like to know who told her that. We, I still, to this day, don't know who told her that. I don't know where she got that story. Jenna finally asked Michael some more questions. It was right after a fight they'd been having. Michael was the one who brought up Billie Jean then. He said, your mom said that you, uh, that, uh, you had questions about me and Billie. And um, I said, well, I said, you know, it kind of bothers me. You've never wanted to talk to me about it. And he would start that, I, yeah, I've talked to you about that. We've talked about this. And no, you haven't. No, the only thing you ever told me was that it was an accidental suicide. And I said, all this other stuff had come up and everything. I've asked you since then. And you always find a way to get off the subject and we don't en end up talking about it. And I said, I want to know. I would like to know what happened with y'all. Because I'd already, we'd already had the conversations about his anger and the blacking out with his anger, um, if that was a possible thing that he was going through or, or dealing with. Well, then he said, he, he went and proceeded to talk to me about it and tell me that um, it was one night that he was going to leave. He was planning on going, he was going to work out or work on a truck or something. He was leaving. Late at night, here we are again. And I remind you, he's done this with me all, all our life, leave at odd hours and stay gone all the time. He was going to do that, and she didn't want him leaving. And um, he was going. You wouldn't stop him from doing what he wanted to do. And uh, she told him again, no, you're not going to leave me here with these kids. This is his version. This is what he's telling me. You know, so I'm, I'm listening to him. You're, uh, you're not leaving me here with these kids again while you go out or go do whatever he's doing, I guess. And uh, he said he was going. You know how I am. I'm just going to go. I want to ride or I want to go do something. And uh, I'm like, okay. And he said he got to the door and he said something clicked, like something told him he needed to turn around. And when he turned around, he seen her with the gun. And when he seen her with the gun, he thought, no. And he took off running. And when he took off running, he kicked at her, like I guess at the gun is what he was saying. He kicked the gun and the gun went, went off as he kicked it. And that's how she ended up shooting herself. And um, still in my head, I was like, still, like completely, okay, so we went from, there was no altercation, they didn't fight, you know, because he told me they was not fighting. They wasn't fighting that night, she just didn't want him leaving. He, but something told him because he was, she had threatened herself. She had threatened, you. if you leave now, it'd be the last time you ever walk out on me. Something to that effect that she had said to him. And that's what made him turn around to look to see and when he seen her with the gun is when he went after her and kicked the gun. But, see, I never knew all the other stuff that I know now. So I was like, okay, so in my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe he was going after her to kick the gun out if she picked the gun, whether she was threatening herself or whether she was threatening him. He was saying she was threatening herself. Ashley started the Justice for Billie Jean Facebook page in 2014. Michael warned Jenna not to talk to anyone about it. And I always think back to that time 
I put it when I when it started all coming together, and I was like, yeah, you don't want me to talk because you don't want everybody to know what kind of person you've been to me, mm-hmm. because that pretty much can tell what you were to her. Michael's family had told Jenna on occasions that they thought Michael's anger had improved since he met her. If you were better to me and I changed you, that's what I was thinking. I can only imagine what mm-hmm. that poor girl lived. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I don't know. I wouldn't want to know what kind of a monster he was to her. I can't say that there'd be one ounce of remorse for mm-hmm. that man because of what he's put me through, let alone everyone else, mm-hmm. and the lies that I lived. I mean, the lies. It, mm-hmm. it, I remember he compared me to Billie Jean one time. We were spatting, and I thought, how can you compare your wife to your deceased wife? Who does that? How did he compare you to her? Because we had been bickering back and forth and I was saying something back and back to him, snapping back, and he made the comment that he said, you know, when Billy used to get mad or she'd get upset or something, she wouldn't say anything. She'd just sit over there and read her book. It wasn't long after that. We, I had left. Um, and then when I finally left for good, is when I learned about the rest of the stuff and then seeing the um, police reports and the, and I was like, oh, once again, his lie. I mean, you know, nothing that he told, especially after seeing his interrogation where they brought him in and questioned him, he couldn't even keep up with the same thing and none of what he told me was in this. Mm-hmm. He didn't say see nothing in there about him going after her and kicking the gun out of her hands. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. So he can't even keep up with the stories. And that's why I believe that he never wanted to talk to me through all these years. He, he couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. He couldn't remember what he's told who and, and all the stories that's been told. Fifteen years into their marriage, Jenna finally left for good. She remembers having an epiphany of sorts one day on a camping trip with her parents. It was a moment when it really clicked that life didn't have to be that way. One of the times that I had had left, I had gone out to the lake because my mom then was camped out there. And um, we had gone out there to stay, and he kept trying to call and call and call, and I told her not to answer her phone. And uh, finally, I just something about it just told me, okay, just at least let him know that she's okay and that he won't go any further or whatever. And I get on the phone with him because he keeps telling her, please put your mom on the phone, put your mom on the phone. And he's all talking low-key and, mm-hmm. you know, like, not, like, nothing's wrong. And I was like, do not call her phone again. We're turning them off. And he let me know that he was at the gate. And um, if I didn't come and let him in, he was driving through the gate. And so I went into a panic. And I looked at my mom, and this is the first time I ever, ever said, call the law. Because I was, I, I was like, he, by gosh, he's done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my mama never flinched, never moved that magazine. She said, this is the government property. I mean, like, she just never she even, and I'm whatever. sitting over here in a full-fledged panic attack, and she's just like, they'll take care of it. And so at that point, it was like I got mad at myself because right. I let this man right. control every feeling in this body. Yeah. When I can look at my mother and think, why can't I have that? Mm-hmm. Why? And it wasn't until then, that's right. He comes through that gate, those, they're going to be right here, so there's nothing he can do, and they will take everything of his, and he will be a felon. You know, I mean, it just, all of those things. Jenna did remarry, but she's forever changed. 
The traumatic experiences with Michael sometimes creep into her current relationship with her husband. Because I tell him all the time, I'm like, I can barely deal with what I went through mm -hmm. because he gets it too. Because little things that he can say that he's joking with me, I take it as a serious because of what he put me through. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was 16 years over, 15 years over is why. But I think about these women that have really been beat to a pulp mm -hmm. and how they can still survive. I mean, with everyday life and, and yeah. not to go to bed and have all those things to come back to them. Yeah. And mine wasn't near like what theirs was, but it was bad. I mean, yeah. it was definitely bad, but I'd always justify because he wasn't hitting me. You know, he wasn't punching me in my face. I didn't wear bruises on my face, mm -hmm. but it was like he would just get mad or he would have a way to come back and make it, you know, so sweet and convincing that he didn't mean to do it. I mean, he would grab you and hold you and, and like all the things that you, things that you remember seeing on TV, but it didn't happen in your life, right. you know. And I guess for after years of it, it just kind of starts becoming a normal day of everyday life. But to know that I was sleeping next to a monster, and now that I can look back, I can definitely say <laughs> he was a monster. I mean, he, he was uh, evil. He is a very evil man. Coming up on the next episode of Burden. With evidence on Billy's case lost, and not much of an investigation by police, we look to Billy's body for clues about what happened the night she was shot. I would agree with the sheriff and everybody else who's looked at this case over the years. It, it stinks as far as the level of suspicion is concerned. Visit BurdenPod.com for more information about this show. That's BurdenPod.com. There you can contact us, sign up for our mailing list, or see photos of the people featured in the podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BurdenPod. Subscribe to Burden in your favorite podcasting app so you can have episodes delivered to you automatically on the day they're released. And please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Podchaser. It really helps us out. We're also on Patreon, where you can purchase a monthly subscription and access bonus content, like extended video interviews, Billy's case files, photos of the house where Billy was shot, and a collection of family photos. If you know anything about this case, please let us know. What you send in will not be shared unless we have your permission. We know there were witnesses from that night who have not wanted to talk. If you change your mind, we still want your insight. Stay safe, and until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.